This podcast does not provide medical advice. Please listen to the complete disclosure at the end of the recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyone Dies, the podcast. I'm Marianne Matzo. I'm Charlie Navarrete. Please grab yourself something strong to drink. I hope you've been keeping your gin cold and your tea hot or vice versa in preparation for this podcast. And thank you for spending the next hour with Charlie and I. In the first half, we're going to have our recipe of the week and an update. In the second half, we're going to be talking about dating after the death of a partner. In our third half, Charlie's going to talk about the Oscars. So, Charlie. Well, not necessarily Oscars per se, but... um... Well, I will segue from the Oscars to uh, Dylan Thomas's poem, uh, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. But it is associated with the Oscars because it also revolves around Anthony Hopkins, who just won his second Oscar. So that was our third half. Thank you very much for being with us. And uh... <laughs> Charlie's not laughing. Okay, so can I tell you a story? You know, I want to tell you what happened to me this week? Yes, what? So we got this dog last summer um, who's part Australian Shepherd and part Chocolate Lab. So I'm going to have to have Sandy post a picture because she's oddly pretty. Anyway, she's a bit... uh... Sandy's very pretty. Luna, the dog Uh that I'm talking about, is oddly pretty. Got it. Um, And so... We, you know, we live on a lake, and Luna somehow got herself something to chew on. And David's looking from the balcony, looking. He's like, what does she have? So he goes down there, and he finds these two huge Canadian geese eggs. Mm-hmm. And she's gnawing on them. I mean, these things are, like, as big as your fist. And she's gnawing on them, and it's like, they're not breaking. So he brings them you know, I was working in the office. He says, look at these, look what she's chewing on. It's like, how did she ever like not break through these? And, you know, but God, they're, they're made, must be made for predators. So I said to David, I said, well, where's the nest? He says, I have no idea. I said, okay, well give me the eggs. So I take the eggs and I put them in my sports bra and he's like, starts laughing. He says, give me back the eggs. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, sport." Are you wearing the sports bra? You mean like in in a drawer, full of no, drawers? No, I am wearing I'm wearing my sports bra, uh-huh. which is next to my skin, which is so toasty pu- warm for the eggs. Okay, okay, yes, that makes sense. Yes, so my breasticles were nice and warm, so I put the eggs into the sports bra to keep them warm because I didn't want the little birdies in there to die. Right, and he's like. I thought you were joking. I said, no, no, no. I, I, We have to keep them warm. I don't want them to die. I said, so take Luna back outside. I said, I bet she runs right to wherever this nest is, mm-hmm. and then we can put the eggs back. So he takes Luna outside. Sure enough, she runs straight to the nest, which has one now lonely little egg in it. Aww. And the Canadian geese are on the water, like honking like crazy, but I'm really surprised they didn't like peck the heck out of her because they can be really aggressive with their, you know, babies. babies. So David comes back in and he's like, okay, I'll take the eggs and put them back in. And I said, these eggs are jumping in here. It was like kind of this, like, they were ready to hatch. 
I'm like, I kept looking in there, Charlie, saying, are these suckers going to hatch inside my bra? Because that will be really (laughs) weird. But it was like having a baby inside you, which, you know, like, you know, like you can feel the baby moving. Right. Yeah. It was it it was like that, except it was goose in my bra. Mm -hmm. So um, in honor of of my gooses, geese. Um, I thought we would do our recipe on um, how to make goose tacos yeah, in honor of Cinco, <laughs> nice, <honor> nice. <laughs> of, of Cinco de Mayo and my oh, little goose babies. Cinco de Mayo. So when is Cinco de Mayo this year? Um, it's usually on the 5th of May. Oh, clever how that works, Cinco de Mayo. Okay, good. Yes. So so it's good. So, so uh, with, with the goose things, so you... Um, okay, so you keep them warm and toasty, and now we can have goose tacos. <laughs> there is method to the madness. A, very good. I, I have a very dark sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So how do you make goose tacos, Charles? Um, I would say go to the store. But if you don't do that, uh, we can start with uh, basically that uh, roast goose is a dish found in Chinese, European, and Middle Eastern cuisines. The goose is in the biological family of birds, including ducks, geese, and swans, known as a family of anatidae. Now, what? But I don't want to do it anatidae. I want to do it today. Okay, fine. We're here now. Let's just do it today. We won't do it anatidae. Excellent. Chicks and ducks and geese better hurry. All I remember is the French on top, the Surrey on top, Surrey fringing. It's in Oklahoma. It's enough. That's, that's, that's all we need to know. So getting back to the uh, goose breasts. Uh, so what... Uh, <laughs> So, what do you do when life gives you goose breasts? Well, if you're a guy, you might want to consider surgery. Um, otherwise, goose tacos, of course. Hunters often find themselves with lots of skinless goose breasts. I, I, I don't know if that's associated with having a weapons, but okay. I don't know why they have breasts and not the other parts, but mm-hmm. this, this I am told. Yes. Uh, and these are mostly, uh, you know, geese from uh, Canada and or also uh, snow geese. Uh, they make good eats. Mm-mm. But too many people get stuck in a goose pastrami or goose jerky rut. Oh, my God, Charlie. I've been in that rut for years. Time to dig yourself out. Both are good. But this recipe will show you a technique for cooking goose breasts hot and fast. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Breasts are marinated in soy sauce, beer, and spices, and served with tortillas, salsa, cilantro, and crumble cojita cheese. Well, you know, as long as it's between two consenting adults, go for it. So, for uh, for this recipe and all our other recipes, please go to everyonedies.org. That's every, the number one, dies.org for a link, to, uh, again, to these recipes and additional resources for this program. We appreciate your questions and anything else you want to tell us. You can email us at mail at everyonedies.org. Please join our Facebook group, Everyone Dies. Um, this time, Everyone Dies is spelled out completely. No numbers. 
everyone just dies. Just to mess with you. Exactly. And please remember to rate and review this podcast. Marianne? So today I thought we would talk about uh, dating after the death of a partner. And that could be a spouse. It could be somebody that, that you've been living with for a long time. It could be a fiancé. So if I accidentally say spouse, you'll know I'm talking about all those all those groups. Okay. So sometimes after the death of a partner, you, you know, you, you might start to think about dating. Um, and especially those of you who've been in a long-term relationship with that person, um, that feeling could come to you in a month. It could come in five years. It, it could never come. It's very, depends on the person, depends on the relationship, depends on a lot of things. But Whenever you start to have those feelings, you might find that you feel guilty about it, like you're cheating on your spouse or your partner or your fiancé. And that is really perfectly normal. It's, especially if it's been a long-term relationship, it's thinking about another person can feel like, you know, I shouldn't really be doing that. And even if your spouse said they wanted you to date again, you might be feeling kind of odd about asking someone out. And if that first kiss comes, mm -hmm. there's going to be a whole lot of emotions. It's, you know, you've maybe gone a long time without having that intimacy. If your partner has been sick, um, it just, it's, it's confusing. It's wonderful. It's, you know, just a whole bucket of stuff. Right. So, um, typically women aren't in a huge hurry to date because they have kind of a large circle of friends that tend to be more social that they can share their gr grief with. They might have other friends who are um, widows. And for men, though, typically not so much. Um, the statistics show that men tend to remarry faster than women who have lost a spouse. And there could be a lot of reasons for that. Um, they could be used to having somebody around all the time. They could be, I don't know, maybe used to having somebody cooking. They, they might miss having sex on a regular basis. But well, I was going to say don't get married for that, but that, that would only be a joke because we know that's not true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so when you begin dating, you really are starting over. You have to reset. You have to tell yourself, this isn't that person. They're not going to act like that person. They're not going to feel like that person. Um, you're not picking up where you left off from your significant other. Anyone you date is going to be a different person. It's going to be a different relationship. You can't expect them to be a clone of your former partner. The person you date is going to have different likes and dislikes. Don't expect them to know what foods you like or to get all of your jokes. You're going to have to tell them who you are. You're going to have to share your feelings. You're going to have to, you know, start at the beginning. And it's scary. And it's hard to do that, especially if you're an adult and especially if you're an older adult. That's hard. It's really hard. But, you know, the, the alternative is that you might say, well, I just would really rather be alone. And that's okay, too. Um, you don't have to jump into dating. Um, even if women or men are pounding at your door, you can casually chat with people that you find attractive, see how it feels, date if you feel ready, don't do it if you don't want to. There's no pressure. 
Now, if you go on a date and all you want to do is talk about your spouse and you're not interested in learning about your date, then that's a big sign that you are not ready to date. Back in the day when I was dating, I remember um, I was at an online form- format and this guy had asked me out and he had said that he was a widow and um I always makes me suspicious which you'll find out in a minute why mm-hmm. um and I said oh how long have you been widowed and he said a week and I was like in my head you've got to be kidding me like in my head there was no way that a week after burying your spouse you're going to yeah, be really. ready yeah <laughs> to jump into dating. And even if he was ready to jump into dating, I wasn't ready to jump into dating with him. So, and that's, that's my, my view. Um, now it's okay to talk about your spouse. Of course it is because they were a part of your life and their death continues to affect you. And so grief is going to be a topic of discussion. Let's just be honest. It's going to be there. But if your partner, spouse, whatever, or your grief dominates the discussion every time you go out, you're probably not ready to be dating. Right. You know, maybe you need a friend, maybe you need a grief group, maybe you need a therapist, but you probably don't need a girlfriend or a boyfriend at that point. Maybe you need a puppy um, who'll go out and pick up goose eggs. Yeah. Yeah. But you, but you can't have mine. Um, you can go out with someone without calling it a date and without any thoughts about it being romantic or leading to marriage or leading to sex. You can just go for an evening out, have a new friend. If there's a spark there, cool. If there isn't one, fine. Sparks are fun, but you need to get out of the house and be among people more than you need romance. You have to Get used to a life where your partner isn't there as your partner anymore. And that is a huge adjustment. It's um, also a really good time to take stock of your life. Maybe the last time you did it was when you were in your, you know, in college or high school. Maybe, Maybe it's your high school sweetheart who after, you know, 30 years of marriage or something has died. Well, geez, if the last time you've really kind of thought of you as you, mm-hmm. as opposed to we, right. was when you were 18 or 17, then now's kind of a different opportunity because you are not that same person. Yeah, and with that too, if um, you you jumped into marriage at, at that very young age, yeah, like you said, you know, there's a difference between 18 and 48. And really, mm-hmm. at 18, who I don't think anyone has had enough time to develop. I mean, no. you're, you're just you're just getting into adulthood, so you never really, really had any time for yourself. Right. You go from living with your parents to living with your spouse or partner. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To for the first time, maybe living alone. Yeah. That's a whole. That's a whole new thing. Yes. So ask yourself, what did you like about being married? Did you like anything no. about being married? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Ba-boom. Yeah. Um, what did you dislike about it? Um, was there something you wanted to do that you set aside because of the marriage or because of the kids or because of the illness of your partner? So is there a reason maybe not to go do those things now? Had you thought about maybe moving to a different part of the country or changing jobs? This is your opportunity to do something different. Yes. I have a friend of mine whose um, husband recently died. She lives in New Hampshire, but her son, her only son and wife and grandson, live in California. Like, so this is a good time for her to think about, well, do I want to stay in New Hampshire or do I want to go live in California and be close to the grandchild? So you have this opportunity to figure things out, to try new ideas, so that then when you do start dating, you and your um, person that you're going out with will know what you want. Try living alone for a while. Discover who you've become. Maybe you'll find you want to live along for a really long time and only see people socially. Yeah. you might find that you miss companionship. Um, we've done a few interviews with Michael Porter, who had taken care, was married for 35 years, took care of his wife oh, right, with Huntington's right, right. disease yeah, yeah. for 10 years. And she died in, in January. And he, when we talked about that, he said that, you know, when you look at the relationship, he said that for him as a man, he felt like a part of him was missing. Like there was just this hole, like something that made him him was just gone. Yeah. Um, his theory is that women grieve the loss of their of the relationship. That it's that having that person um, around or maybe somebody to lay with at night is is what women gr- grieve. Um, and did he? But and take did the, he? Did he say then what? What he felt that men grieve. Men men feel that um, a part of them is missing, so they're oh, grieving the okay. loss of that part of themselves. So take the time to figure out what's missing in your life after your partner's death, and listen to your heart. You're you're in control of your life. Nothing has to happen if you don't want it to. If you're not ready, it doesn't have to happen. Um, you can respond in romantic ways to people that you find attractive. You can feel unsure about your ability to casually chat and be interesting to other people. You may have forgotten how to flirt. You may have forgotten how to seduce somebody. You may have forgotten all the little niceties of a relationship. And if and if you have, it's sort of a good thing to notice that, oh, I've been wearing, you know, long flannel pajamas for the last 20 years, maybe, you know, in this new relationship, I might want to try something a little different, you know? Silk pajamas. Yeah. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Yeah. So you you don't have to flirt. Just be yourself. Build your confidence by talking with people that you find attractive at social gatherings. Just be a human being. Don't try to be clever. Don't, you know, just be nice human being. Um, don't try to be in control. Don't try to pretend that you know everything. After you date someone for a while, you're going to know if you're going to want more from the relationship. And 
it's true that mm-hmm. your heart is really big enough to both grieve and to love someone. Yeah. That person is always going to be with you. And you carry all those years of that relationship with you. And it makes you who you are. And it helps you in terms of what you have to give to this new person. Um, Dave, my husband, was married for 40 years before his wife died. And when we decided to get married, we took both of our wedding rings and we had them melted together and then had two wedding rings made out of that gold. And we just symbolically wanted something that showed that, you know, we're not discounting the previous 40 years. We're bringing that to this relationship. I didn't know that. That, That's... That's beyond romantic. That's wow. That's that's Aww, spectacular. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, whatever you do, mm-hmm. be honest with yourself. Be honest with the other person. You've learned a lot from your marriage, um, but sharing your emotions is really the only way that healthy relationships work. And you know. So what, then the next. Oh, sorry. What, oh. No, I was just going to say what, what? Um, about you know sharing things. Um, you know, and you said at the at at the at the top about um, you know you're just going to be somebody new. Uh, you you can't you know you got to look at the new person as a new person and not and not the spouse that you lost. And of course, it makes me think of movies. Um, there was a, a Neil, <laughs> <laughs> there was a Neil Simon movie. I don't I don't know if he made it into a play. I think it was just a movie called Chapter Two. And in it, oh yeah, you remember that. Yeah, James. James. Yeah, yeah James Conn played a oh a writer. How, how about that? Um, uh, who had lost his wife uh, meets Marsha Mason, who was Neil Simon's wife at the time, and mm-hmm. it, and it's just that James Conn just cannot let go of uh, mm-hmm. of his wife. Of course, until the end, then it's a happy ending. Um, but then also too, what you and everybody loves a happy ending, Charlie. Uh, well, let me think here. Um, I'm sure I can find examples, but I can't think of one right now. The um, exceptions to that. The um, the other thing uh, we were saying about you know giving time for yourself and everything. Do you remember a movie called House Calls? House is it House Call. It's either called House Call or House Yeah House Call. Um, I don't think I do. Look it up. It's <laughs> it's great. Walter Matthau and Glenda Jackson. So um, the film op- you had me at Walter at Walter Matthau. Oh, God, he's so good at this thing. Um, yeah. So basically, you know, it opens with uh, Matthau. He's this you know top surgeon. He's, he's just getting back to the hospital. Um, you know, his wife died, but he's been away. I don't know, like two or three months, and everybody's going crazy. You know, where are you? What are you doing? You know, where have you been? And basically, it's like, well, you know. Making the adjustment. He he went out, got, you know, hooked up with a lot of ladies, just traveled all over the place. He needed that, like, to get it out of his system, just so he could adjust with without his wife being there. And he decides that's the type of lifestyle he wants until he meets Glenda Jackson. And she's just, you know, very, you know, very honest and very direct, um, not the type of woman he wants to be involved with. But he realizes there's something there. And 
And he just finds that in someone totally different that in, and he wasn't expecting it. And just by just being himself and accepting her as, as she was, and she eventually accepts him for all his craziness, they live happily ever after. But it was just that. He had given himself months, um, you know, to make that adjustment. So there we are. Hmm. So House Call cool. and uh, Chapter 2. All right. So how do you find somebody to date, especially if it's been a really long time since you've had, since you've dated? Go to a bar well, and thing, then pick someone up? <clears throat> uh, well, no. No? Oh, you hmm. could okay, tell your friends, people who off, know uh, you, this list here. Um, okay. that you're ready to let them help you. Tell them, hey. I, I think I'm ready to, you know, dip my toe back in the water. Who do you know that's single? And tell them what you're looking for. And then I think that also gives um, you an idea of who your friends are in, uh, with, uh, with <laughs> men who, who they think you would be compatible with. <laughs> that would be kind of interesting. Um, check out people you knew from high school, like either at a reunion or on Facebook. See who's single. And lots of people reconnect with people from their high school in their later ages. So huh. who knows? It could happen to you. You can volunteer, meet new people, see them kind of week after week as you're packing up the uh, the food boxes at the you know the food donation center or whatever, and decide if that's somebody that you'd like to go out. Now, you can also create an online dating profile, and I'm going to spend most of my time kind of talking about that. Um, profiling, yes, I think I think yes. We talk about profiling. Yeah, go ahead. It's. It is a good way to meet people. It's a good way to meet people that you never, ever would have met. Mm. It's very hard. Yeah. Um, you have to keep yourself safe. You have to think and plan. Um, oh, my God. Scams, so, right? Yes. So, yeah, because yeah. you've talked about that. So the, so the courtship process has is not what it was, you know, like when I was younger. Um, you could be one of these people who cringes at the idea of online dating, but you'd be surprised how many widows or widowers or, you know, find su successful and quality matches of people on dating sites. S just be smart. So be sure to practice online dating safety when you connect with other people. Don't post your contact information, like your address, your phone number, your email address. Check your security settings on other media platforms. If you don't know how to do it, you probably have a 10-year-old in your life who could do it for you. Um, when you meet somebody, does the match seem too good to be true? And your you know, little spiny sense should go up if that's the case. Mm -hmm. There was a post once on a, I don't know if it was a widow group or a grief group, where this woman said, I'm smiling for the first time since her husband died because she had a great conversation with a guy online. And um, and she was just so happy. And uh, being the killjoy that I am, I private messaged her <laughs> and I said... <coughs> You know, if you want to talk more about that and about, you know, being safe, let me know. You know, I offer help. I don't force it. So she contacted me back right away. 
I called her, and it turned out it was a guy who said that he lived out, you know, in California, which was mm-hmm. far away from wherever it was that she was living. Yeah. And that he was just everything that she always, you know, ever wanted, and he was handsome and this and that. And I said, so do you want me to tell you kind of the stuff I've learned? She said, yeah. I said, so when you receive a message from a guy, let's say on Facebook, um, you know, asking to friend you, what you do is you click on their picture and you look to see. I have always found that like 90% of the scam guys uh-huh. are widowed. They say they're widowed because I think they think that we, you know, women would prefer somebody who has, you know, not had a bitter divorce and is really still annoyed about it, that somehow, I don't know, maybe a widower is easier. But anyway, they, they tend to be widowed. Their clothes look great. Yeah. They look very suave and debonair. They are show pictures of themselves either with a boat or, you know, some kind of nice really toy and they're international they're from they you know they're they're of the world and she's like yep 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 (laughs) so so james bond in other words okay that's cool (laughs) yeah because if they look really really good what are they doing on facebook i got it well, not that. I mean, oh. you know, good-looking guys are on Facebook, oh. but mm-hmm. um, you just kind of you just have to say, hmm. hmm. So then you look and you see when did they post all of their pictures? Yeah. Because you'll see if you look at the date, they're yeah. all posted on the same day. Oh, nobody well. has a Facebook profile where everything is posted on the same day, except people who are there to scam you. And so she's like, "Oh my god!" Well, what, what, oh if, god. what if somebody puts puts up, I don't know, three or four pictures? They, I don't know, they start their Facebook page and they throw up three or four pictures of themselves. Well, you know, if you feel like you want to um, trust that that is what has happened, uh-huh. then maybe just let them sit there for a while you know, as a, as a request mm-hmm. and see if anything, any other pictures oh, show changes. up, okay. see if they yeah. add to it, see, right. you know, because, you know, you add jokes, you add this, you add that. Also, their pictures tend to be just all pictures of them. So I said to her, you know, just be really, really careful. Okay. Um, see if, you know, like he'll FaceTime you because these guys will not FaceTime you. They won't, let you see their faces because oh, yeah, they're not course, who their right, pictures right, are. Yeah. Um, you know, if he says, oh, you know, baby, why don't you trust me? Say, you know, I just want to be really careful. Just, hey, how about this? Send me, send me a selfie, you know, um, giving me the peace sign. They won't do that either, you know? And I said, mm-hmm. and if he asks you for any money, then you know oh, for geez, sure what that. I'm yeah, telling yeah. you is true. Yeah. So that evening, she um, messaged me and she said, well, he asked me for money and I told him to go F himself. It's like, okay. She said, thank you so much for writing to me because everybody else <laughs> yeah. was saying, oh, congratulations. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. It's like, no, sister. No, you can't. Too many Let's bad be apples careful out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do due diligence in verifying that the person is who they say they are. Google their name, um, conduct a reverse image search of the profile photo. 
I know you might not know how to do that, but like I said, a huh? 10-year-old does. Yeah. Just ask them. And it's not just men who scam. Women scam, too. I'm not trying to, like, you know, be a Debbie Downer about boys. But, you know, just be careful. Um, always make first uh, acquaintances in public places. Drive yourself to the meeting. Ensure that you know someone who knows where you're going, mm, yeah. what time you think yeah. you're going to be home. You might consider having a friend come along and sit at a different table. Um, if you go, pay for your own drink or whatever, because sometimes you know you'll get you'll get the vibe from somebody. You look in their eyes. I was almost going to say you look in their ears. No, don't look in their ears. It doesn't make a good first impression. <laughs> of course, if you're a doctor you're and, and feel you need to go in that direction, it's like, there's something odd about your ears, sir, or, or man. Okay, but but make your intentions known first. Don't just whip out some instrument and stick it in someone's ear. Okay, go on, Thank Marianne. you, Charlie. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to look them in the eyes. You have to see what you see. Mm -hmm. You can't tell that by a phone call. You can't there. Dr. Phil did this. I'm not that I'm a big Dr. Phil fan, but he did this whole kind of expose about this stuff. Women would, men too, but this show was about like this woman who like fell madly in love with, was sending this guy lots and lots of money and she'd never met him. Oh, geez. Okay. But I've heard of that. Yeah. 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 You gotta yeah. look in their eyes. You'll you'll never know. And if if when you look in your eye in their eyes, and you know you get this really not comfortable feeling in your belly, take your diet coke or whatever it is that you ordered and paid for by yourself, and say, "Oh my God, I really need to run," or have somebody call you in an appointed time yes. and have them oh, like release are. you. There's right? a this is episode <laughs> of Frasier where. Uh, where that happened. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a good backup plan. Um, a good rule of thumb is daytime dates for the first meeting in public, uh-huh. casual ice cream shop. If there is such a thing anymore, coffee shop, uh, you might decide that you need to make a quick getaway. Um, if it progresses that you think, Oh, I, you know, I could sit for a while and have dinner with this person. Then you both drive yourself to wherever restaurant it is you're meeting. They don't come to your house. You don't go to their house. You don't do this. And if your mama never told you, it's because in her day that just like wasn't an issue. So you keep it separate until your gut says it's okay. Also, don't have sex. Just wait. Make sure that um, you kind of have a good sense, a, a good gut feeling about this person. Um, if you dis- do decide that you're going to have sex, please use a condom. Listen to our show about HIV if you are wondering why. Um, people do not always post recent pictures or tell an accurate story of their lives before you meet them. They just don't. Mm-hmm. Um not saying that it's not a picture of them, but it could have been a picture of them 20 yeah, years 20 ago. Yeah, 20 years ago or something. Yeah. And a lot happens in 20 years. So um, just, you know, I know I know that you miss the closeness. I know that you miss having someone in your lo- life that you can love and that loves you. But just be careful about it happening too soon. 
Now, be sure that you shower and shave. Wear clean clothes without stains. Women, be sure you wear a bra. Um, you want you have like one chance to make a good first impression. Mm-hmm. And if you are seriously looking for somebody that you might want to one day have, you know, a long-term relationship, you, if that person puts their best for, foot forward for that first date, well, then, you know, that says that they kind of respect what's happening there. If they come all schlumpy, Mm -hmm. um, then you can say to yourself, well, if this is the best, what's going to happen in a year? You know, will they just walk around in their underwear and a t-shirt forever? Because, you know. Well, what if it's a clean t-shirt? No, still no. Okay. And underwear? Well, um, yeah, okay, I guess I see your point. Yeah, okay. You know, mm-hmm. put an effort in, and if, and I expect if there's somebody's taking me out for dinner that they put an effort into, and sure. if they don't, then, you know, that, that gives me a, a piece of the puzzle. It gives you information. Yes. It's information. It's not easy to date after the death of your partner. Give yourself a high five for even taking that step. It's hard, but you never know who you're going to meet or how wonderful they could be and how much they can impact your life for the better. So I would say it's worth the risk, but be careful, and but do it when you're ready to do it. Any other thoughts, Charles, or questions? Mm, no, just... Um... No, just yeah, but just to emphasize what you said about it. You, you have to protect yourself. There's too many bad apples out there, you know. And not to be frightened, but just well, you know, like we always say, prepare. Just have it in your mind. Everything mm-hmm. you were saying about you know, on Facebook, the pictures. Just be smart. Yeah, I mean, just be smart. That's it. Just be smart about it. You know. So. Anthony Hopkins, what about this guy winning Listen, the Best Oscar, Best Actor um, Oscar? He he is now officially the uh, oldest person to win a, a Best Actor award. Um, most people, well, so the name of that movie is The Father, in where he plays uh, a father, um, a man with uh, with dementia. <laughs> And he, and actually, his we're daughter. We're not laughing. We're not laughing at the fact that he has a dementia. But no, we're um, laughing at Charlie. And uh, <laughs> yeah. hmm, let me think of that. And and actually, his daughter is played by Olivia Colman, who plays Queen Elizabeth in The Crown. Um, oh, I loved her in that. Yes. So uh, yeah, so Sir Anthony plays her father. He has dementia, but we see the dementia through his eyes. It's kind of a pretty cool way of it, it is. So so at one point, you know, he's speaking to Olivia Coleman, and then suddenly, you know, his daughter, and then suddenly he's speaking to his daughter, but it's a different actress. And you wonder, wait a minute, who the hell is this person? Yeah, you you're it's 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 an unusual take, mm. but you you see the dementia through the person who has dementia. Cool. Yeah, and he's just he's excellent in this. Well, he really didn't think he had a chance in hell of winning, and everyone expected Chadwick Boseman to win. Um, so it was it was a complete shock. So 
you know, he didn't attend the Oscars. Um, instead, uh, he went to um, went to visit his father's grave uh, in Wales. That's that's where uh, that's where he's from. So he went there to you know pay tribute to his dad. Um, you know, put up a video, a tweet um, to show that, and he begins to recite Dylan Thomas's poem. Uh, do not go gentle into that good night. But you know what? Here we got like to the second verse and just got really emotional. He just couldn't finish it. Uh, later, he added, um, you know, he he you know that he he read his uh, father's headstone, which reads Richard Hopkins, my beloved father, resting in eternal peace. And then he added an emoji of the Welsh flag in the in the video. Um, so we, we have a link to this uh, video on our website. So here now is Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end know dark is right, because their words have forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late they grieved it on its way, do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death, who see with blinding sight, blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears. I pray, do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. So Dylan Thomas wrote the poem in 1947, but it wasn't published until 1951 while he was in Florence uh, with his family. So composer and conductor Igor Stravinsky used, um, you know, the poem and its composition in memoriam. Dylan Thomas, uh, written shortly after Dylan Thomas's death and first performed in 1954. In Back to School, Rodney Dangerfield's movie. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield recites the poem during his college evaluation. Hmm. Uh, line from the poem, and he's spoken in separate episodes of Doctor Who and in episodes of Modern Family and Mad Men, as well as films like Interstellar and Independence Day. And Iggy Pop, the godfather of punk, read the entire poem on his 2019 album, Free. So, to say do not go gentle at the good night pushes a notion to die with purpose, to not just simply die, but die with meaning. And the speaker acknowledges that death is inevitable. Everyone dies. That's every, the number one dies, <laughs> org, sooner or later. But that doesn't mean that people should simply give up and give in to death. Instead, the speaker argues that people should fight fiercely and bravely against death. You know, in the second stanza, Thomas describes wise men whose words forked no lightning. Now, as we all know, when lightning hit, it leaves a bit of a mark. 
So here, Thomas suggests that these people weren't able to leave the mark they wanted on the world. And with that, they should not calmly and peacefully welcome death. Rather, they should rage against the dying of the light. So Dylan Thomas died in New York of pneumonia following a night of heavy drinking at the White Horse Tavern in Greenwich Village. <laughs> yes, he was known as a, as a big drinker. And, what a way to go. Yeah, well, supposedly he, he made a bet, uh, <laughs> um, which he won and lost. Something like um, that he could drink like 10 shots or 12 shots in a row. Well, he won the bet, uh, went outside, slipped on the ice, um, you know, fell on his head. But, I mean, he was always a heavy drinker. His you know, immune system was low um, and, you know, went to the hospital and, you know, and died. He was 39 years old. Uh, and his wife, uh, Caitlin McNamara, flew from England and flew into a drunken rage at the hospital. I guess it kind of runs in the family. Um, and then after threatening to kill poet John Brennan, um, he was the one who brought Dylan Thomas to America in the first place. Well, she was put in, into a straitjacket and committed to a psychiatric hospital. Dylan's, yeah, Dylan's legacy, however, um, continues to influence. Bob Zimmerman changed his last name to Dylan. You know, Bob Dylan. Uh, the Beatles included um, a picture of a uh, Dylan Thomas and the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And as mentioned before, TV, films, and Iggy Pop. <laughs> so, with that, thank you for That's listening. That's interesting. Yeah. Thank you all. Thank you for talking. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Please uh, stay tuned for future episodes of Everyone Dies. Our thanks to our executive producer, Major General Retired David Gillette, our producer, Sandy, Tom Hartman, our administrative advisor, and our friends, family, and you, our loyal listeners who are supporting our work at Everyone Dies. This is Charlie Navarrete reminding you of the and words of Mark Twain. <laughs> oh, no, I got one more, baby. Mark oh. Twain, who said, I didn't attend the funeral, but I sent a nice letter saying I approved of it. And you are? <laughs> appalled. And I'm Marianne Matzo, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Remember, every day is a gift. This podcast does not provide medical advice. All discussion on this podcast, such as treatments, dosages, outcomes, charts, patient profiles, advice, messages, and any other discussion are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of your primary care practitioner or other qualified health providers with any questions that you may have regarding your health. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard from this podcast. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Everyone Dies does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, practitioners, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned in this podcast. Reliance on any information provided in this podcast by persons appearing on this podcast at the invitation of Everyone Dies or by other members is solely at your own risk.